Welcome to the Keto Lifestyle Podcast hosted by nutritional coach Jessica Tai, where we are dedicated to promoting health and overall well-being through nutrition, specifically the ketogenic diet. We will provide you with all the latest science in nutrition, interviews with experts in the health and wellness field, and answer all your burning questions so you can find optimal health. This podcast is not intended to be used as medical advice and is to be used for informational purposes only. Please contact your doctor with any and all medical questions. Now here's Jessica. Hi guys, good afternoon. I am so happy that this is a Tuesday and I am here with you guys today recording another episode of the Keto Lifestyle Podcast. So this is episode number 30. That is amazing. I cannot believe that it has been 30 episodes. So um, I still am far from getting in my groove, however, and still am continuing to kind of struggle a little bit with podcast recording sometimes and getting things right. And um, today was no exception to that. I ran into some issues. I actually recorded this morning and uh, bright and early this morning and was unable to get that recording uh, completed. I ran into a bunch of bumps and bruises along the way. So here I am trying to get it done now for you guys. And um, this is take two. Boy, this is the uh, second time in a month that I've had to record it twice. So Man, uh, I am just, you know, this is not my expertise. <laughs> it's not recording podcasts. That's not my thing. I barely know enough to be able to function this uh, contraption and be able to record the podcast. Um, I have some very nice recording equipment and I run into issues trying to get it to work. I know it's user error. I just don't know enough about what I'm doing. I wish I had the funds that I could put into hiring someone to actually handle this for me and help me get this set up and get my recordings out every week, but I don't. And so especially when Derek is not recording with me, I run into all kinds of issues because I just don't understand this equipment very well. And Derek has been so good about helping me out. And he is just one smart dude and can figure this kind of stuff out. And this is not his area of expertise at all either, but he has really figured all this out and gotten me the really nice equipment and gotten all this stuff figured out. So today I am just recording on the built-in microphone on my Mac, uh, and that's a bummer, and I'm sorry. I know the uh, quality of this recording probably is not going to be that that good, but I wanted to just get this done and get this out to you guys. And so without further ado, I just wanted to go ahead and get it done and not wait on anybody that can help me set all this other stuff up and figure out why I cannot hear anything when I'm recording on my Yeti or why my sound goes out and why I can't hear anything in my microphone, I mean my headset. Oh, it's so frustrating. <laughs> so let's just get on with it. So we are here, episode 30. This is, uh, it's great. I mean, I can't believe it has been 30 episodes. It's amazing. So we are January 30th of 2017. Amazing. I can't believe we're almost into February. February is my birthday month. And also one of my daughters is born in February. So we've got some exciting couple of weeks coming up here in February. So um, she's been counting down the days to her birthday, so she keeps marking every day. She marks a new day off the calendar, and she's one day closer, and her birthday is nine days after mine, so she keeps saying, Mommy, I'm going to get to your birthday first. <laughs> like, yep, <laughs> we're going to get there first. So, um, But anyway, so February is going to be an exciting month around here. 
for us. It's a big birthday for me, and so we're going to have a fun celebration, and my daughter's turning six, so she's got all kinds of plans. It was really sweet. She actually doesn't want a party. She informed me that her birthday wishes were to go out to breakfast with me and her sister. She wants her sister Lily to come. She wants us to go out and have breakfast, a big breakfast at a sit-down restaurant, she said. So we're going to go sit down, have a nice big breakfast, and then she wants to go roller skating with just me and um, maybe her sister. She's not sure. (laughs) And then she would like to have her family over uh, and do a, you know, like, her grandma and grandpa maybe, um, and then maybe she's going to let her siblings come. She wants everybody to sing her happy birthday, and she wants to have a birthday cake. And that's it. That's all she wants to do. So I think that sounds fabulous, and I love that um, she doesn't necessarily think she has to have a party <laughs> because that's a lot of work, and um, I do tend to think a little bit, <clears throat> we get a little bit carried away with these all these kids' parties anymore, I just feel like, and I've totally done it as well, but I feel like it's like, man, every year you have to like outdo the one you did last year, and when you have five kids and you're trying to outdo every year five birthdays, it's exhausting, <laughs> so I'm really glad that she wants to do it this way, and you know, it's funny because my birthday wishes to my husband, you know, he asked me, what do you want to do for your birthday weekend, um, you know, I'm turning 40 this year, so it's a kind of a big deal, right? And I'm like the baby of all of our friends. So all of my friends have already turned 40, like many of them like five, six, seven years ago. And they're like making fun of me because I'm just now coming up on 40. But I'm like, hey, whatever. I've kind of always been the baby of the friends we hang out with. And I guess I'm, I always gravitate toward um, and relate more with people, I guess, that are a few years older than me. I mean, even in high school, it was kind of that way. But um, that's fine because I don't have a problem with being the youngest one (laughs) as we get older. That's more and more appealing, actually. (laughs) But my girlfriends especially, will they're always warning me like, well, okay, so 40 is not so bad, but just wait till you hit 42 or just wait till you hit 45. And I say, no way, man. I am, you know, listen, I am a a nutritional therapy practitioner. I am going to keep myself as young as possible. I am going to you know, the best nutrition and wellness I can have. I am creating the best lifestyle I can. And so I just say, no way, no way. Don't give me that. It's all downhill after 40 or it's all downhill after 42. I am not buying it. I am, uh, I am convinced and I'm confident that I am going to continue to feel good and well into my forties, fifties, sixties. There's no reason things have to start falling apart. So We'll see. I just said that on air, nice and loud, and uh, it's recorded for all of time, so we'll (laughs) we'll see what happens in the future. I am confident I will not be eating my own words. It's going to be great. So anyway, that's what we got coming up. But my husband had asked me, the whole reason I was telling you that, is he had asked me, what do you want to do for your birthday? Like, this is a big deal. Like, what do you want to do? We've been to friends' celebrations uh, over the last several years. Turning 40, they rent out restaurants and bars and um, breweries and do all kinds of fun things, you know, and all of it has been a blast. It's like everyone is just a blast to go to and celebrate and we all have fun and it's like, wow, this is 40, awesome, you know, and um, those have all been fun and I love doing that stuff. I am a social person, but at the same time, I'm also um, 
I kind of like things a little more intimate and like a little bit more low key is kind of my sweet spot. It's what I love. So I said, you know what? I really would like to have, if I could just do whatever I wanted, I would like to have a catered dinner. Like I want at, at our place. Actually, we're hoping to do it at our cabin, uh, our newest vacation rental that we're fixing up right now. It's going through renovations. And if you're following me on Instagram, then you saw that I posted um, yesterday, I think, a picture of one of the antiques that I picked up, this antique dresser I got for $20. It was from the 18, uh, 1880s. And it was this woman's great grandmother's dresser, and it had it was pretty beat up. I mean, it's been through a lot over the years, been moved around, passed down through a lot of family members. And she was selling it for twenty dollars, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I've got to have this dresser. It's beautiful. So I refinished it with like a chalk paint finish, and kind of you know just gave it that nice um, kind of antique look, and it's beautiful. I love it, but I had put that uh, picture of kind of the, the transformation of that dresser on Instagram and uh, got a lot of feedback on that, good feedback, so that was fun, but I just it, so much enjoy doing that stuff. But So that dresser is in one of the master bedrooms. There's two master bedrooms on the main floor in our new cabin um, that we're uh, going to be having on Airbnb and VRBO and everything here shortly. But um, so that was in, that's in one of the bedrooms. And so anyway, that cabin should be done. We're hoping in the next two weeks. And so our hope is to have my birthday celebration actually out there because it's, I just love it out there so much. It's so beautiful and the house is very open. So it's wonderful for entertaining and like get togethers and parties because you can just put a ton of people in there. And basically the whole first floor is just completely open. Um, you know, you've got a pool table in there and like this huge like rec area right in the beginning when you kind of come in the front door and then there's a big fireplace and a, and a sofa and a love seat there. It's kind of a nice little um, family room type area and then there's a full dining room area. We have a, a dining room table there that seats 18 people and there is a full-size, very good-size kitchen in there that we uh, have done the most amount of work on that kitchen. Well, between the kitchen and the fireplace, we ripped the old fireplace out and totally have redone that. And then the kitchen, we have um, completely reconfigured the kitchen, got rid of all the appliances that were in there, and we've kind of, you know, re had some custom cabinetry built in some areas, reused some of the old cabinets, and I've also done a, a um, new finish to the, all of those cabinets so that the custom ones that we had built and the ones that were originally there kind of all flow together and match. So it is just really coming along and I would love to do it there. So I said I want to have a catered dinner there. I would love somebody to come in and serve us. And there is a specific chef that I love here that has done many events that I have been to in the area. And I just love his cooking and he does farm to table. He's a organic chef and he is just amazing. And so I'm, I really wanted, I said, you know, sky's the limit. I would really have Ethan come out and cook for us. And I would do like, you know, like a four course meal. And then I would really love to have this certain dessert from this you know, certain restaurant that I love here that we could all split up. That's what I would love to have my birthday cake be. And then, um, and then to top it all off, I really want to do a murder mystery 
dinner. And I know that that's maybe completely nerdy to some of you listening, but I absolutely love that stuff. I think it's so much fun. So wouldn't you know it, my husband found a company um, here that will come out. They are doing a whole themed murder mystery night for us, and we're actually going to theme it uh, in the 80s. It's going to take place in the 80s. I was a 70s baby, but I grew up in the 80s, so the 80s are the 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 decade that I relate most to. So we're going to do a 80s theme. So everybody has to come as the 80s. There's going to be a murder that takes place. And basically, we all get to be part of it and try to figure out. Um, the actors will kind of act this out for us while we're eating our dinner. And we all get to try to figure out who did it. So it's basically like a live game of Clue taking place around us while we have dinner. So to me, this is going to be like, I mean, honestly, this other than maybe going to Europe for my birthday, <laughs> this is like the most... I just can't think of anything that I would rather do than to do this. So I'm super excited that this is what we're going to do. I really hope it happens at the cabin. If it if we don't get everything done in time, then we'll do it here at our residence. But um, but I would love to share the cabin with our friends as well. So so we're just going to keep it uh, very intimate. So um, you know, since we're going to do the dinner, sit down dinner, and everything, and the uh, murder mystery people, there was a maximum amount of people that they could have to do this. So you have to keep it kind of small. But like I said, I kind of like the more little more intimate uh, setting anyway. So this is going to be perfect for me. So I'm super excited. So anyway, I'll let you, I'll report back and let you guys know how that, how that goes. Okay. So I've talked your guys' ears off enough. Let's get into this episode. So for today's episode of the Keto Lifestyle Podcast, I wanted to share with you guys some um, immune boosting, uh, things. <laughs> so, um, some are supplements, some are therapies, some are foods, some are, um, other substances, some, uh, uh essential oils and things like that. <clears throat> so some herbs. So I'd like to share with you guys kind of my list of top, uh, immune boosting, things that you can do. I know this time of year, there are so many people that are um, have colds and flus and allergy things and all this kind of stuff going on. And so I thought, what's a better time to talk about immunity and immune bu- boosting, especially this time of year when everybody is kind of going through this. So if you're one of those people that has already been hit with the flu, I am so sorry that you had to go through that. I have heard that the flu this year is brutal. I am just praying a hedge of protection around my family and our home. So far, so good. Um, you know, I am just absolutely like crazy about immune boosting in my house. And if you talk to any of my kids, they would probably tell you, yes, she's obsessed with it. It's craziness. Um, I have essential oils going in literally just about every room of the house. We have a diffuser. Each of my kids have a diffuser. I have a diffuser. There's a diffuser in the bathroom. There's a diffuser in the family room, diffuser in the kitchen. Like they're everywhere. And this time of year, we usually switch our the diffusing blend that I put in there to an immune blend. And it's some essential oils that are known to boost immunity. And so I want everybody to be breathing that in all the time. It's the same blend of oils that I put into the homemade um, like hand sanitizer, if you want to call it a sanitizer, but I put into the, the hand immune boosting gel that I make at home. Um, so we have that stuff going all the time because I just am trying so hard to keep us all well. So far, it's been working, um, but even with all the precautions in the world, I know sometimes it just doesn't matter. Sometimes you just get hit with something that 
your immune system just cannot fight off uh, strong enough to keep it from getting you down at least a little bit. But I know that with these immune, immune boosting uh, tips I'm going to give you today, that even if you get hit with something, you can get over it quicker because the stronger your immune system is, the quicker it can knock these bacterial or viral or fungal infections down and get you back on your feet sooner. So my first one that I want to talk to you guys about today is one that I actually had posted um, uh, a little bit about I, I don't remember, maybe this was probably a month or two ago, um, and I had some questions about it, and I thought, well, this is probably a good time to talk about it, and that is colloidal silver. So um, colloidal silver is silver that is, um, is suspended in water, typically purified water. So it comes in a bottle, and you can get it at a lot of um, pretty much any health store. You can get it on Amazon, places like that. So I generally buy ours from Amazon. There's a couple of brands that I like specifically, which I will tell you about. But um, in general, it is there is a ton of information out there, good and bad. So if you go to Dr. Google and search up colloidal silver, you will find all kinds of different things. You will find things touting these amazing healing benefits of colloidal silver, some that I think maybe are a little bit far-fetched. And then you will you'll also read things that talk about it's totally smoke and mirrors and everything about colloidal silver has been debunked and yada yada yada. I fall somewhere in the middle. I actually think that it has many health benefits, and that is based on scientific research studies that I have read regarding its use. And so, you know, I'm not just saying, oh, I, I think it's good, therefore we'll just use it. Like, I've actually researched it. Um, I really do feel that it does very well for our family. I mean, we use it a lot, and I have seen it reverse things like... Um, ear infections, be able to get rid of ear infections very quickly. Um, I'll talk a little bit more about that here in a minute because I've got some, some tips to share with you. But um, let me just give you a little bit of background history on it. So in the 1980s, a UCLA medical student named Larry Ford documented over 650 disease-causing pathogens that were destroyed when he exposed them to small amounts of silver. So he brought this to light that colloidal silver is capable of killing fungal, bacterial, and viral organisms, including parasites, molds, and a variety of fungal of fungi that have the potential to develop into serious diseases in our bodies. So it was a pretty amazing discovery. In addition to Dr. Ford discovering all that it could do to help us, he also showed that there were no known side effects to its use. So even if colloidal silver doesn't work, <clears throat> let's just say, which I don't believe but even if it doesn't it doesn't hurt you so there is nothing there's no proof there's no research there's no studies that show that there is any harm in taking colloidal silver so let me tell you some of the things that it can do um, I kind of made a little list uh, that I would like to kind of go through to keep me on track here so number one it's an antiviral it is super good for helping stop viruses in their tracks. So to do this, an adult can take one teaspoon one to three times per day, and kids generally, I give them a quarter teaspoon, a half a teaspoon, one to three times per day. Now, in this time of the year, we all do that every day. That is, we it's colloidal silver season around the Thai home. So that's just what we do. Everybody takes it. There is no real taste to it. It basically just tastes like water. But depending on the person, you can get a little bit of a metallic um, taste to your mouth after you take it. So it's not 
um, oh, it's not real offensive or anything, but some, some of my kids notice it more than others. None of them freak out about it or refuse to take it, but some of them will be like, oh yeah, I can taste that. Um, number two, it is great for cold and flu care. So it can help prevent all types of flu and common cold. So in a study that was done in 2011, they took 100 children between the ages of 0 and 12 years of age who had upper respiratory symptoms caused by the common cold. They broke them into two groups. One group was given a colloidal silver solution and the other group was given a saline solution. The group with the colloidal silver solution had over a 90% recover fully from the upper respiratory effects with no residual effects like bronchitis, trachea, the tracheitis, anything like that. Whereas the second group had only a 66% full recovery rate and generally they took longer to heal. Their symptoms were worse and they had, then the 34% had additional complications after the treatment. So they had, they developed bronchitis or um, they ended up with pneumonia or further complications that can often come from having an upper respiratory infection. So I thought that was very interesting. Um, number three, it can also help you with sinusitis or like a sinus infection. So the way to do this, I have done this before myself to any time that I've felt like I've had a lot of congestion or a lot of, you know, upper respiratory stuff going on and felt like it might be kind of settling in my sinuses and that this might not end well. Um, I have done this. So what you do is you take a couple of drops, a few drops, add it to a neti pot. So if you don't have a neti pot, you can look that up on the internet, find out what those are. That's very simple. They're sold at pretty much any drugstore. Um, I bought mine at Walgreens on the corner. So you just get a neti pot, put a few drops of, this, of the um, silver in your uh, water you always want to use when you use a neti pot you always want to use filtered water and then you'll use that neti pot as you typically would one to two times per day and that will help clear up the sinusitis right away it's excellent for that so anytime that I have done that that I have felt like I needed extra help with the um, you know with something like that I've added the silver and I have not had a sinus infection and I don't even know how long so I definitely think that helps uh, number four ear infections so you can actually put this several drops of this directly into your ear canal to help relieve the and, and eradicate an earache or ear infection so typically an antibiotic would be prescribed to heal ear infections if you go into the doctor or you take your child to the doctor because you know our kiddos often will get an ear infection they'll have fluid that will settle in the ear canal um, when they have an upper respiratory thing going on and then that ends up turning into an infection in their ears those infections are are not always bacterial infections. And even if they are, there are many bacteria that won't even be stopped with the antibiotics. But often they can actually be have a fungal infection. So if it's a fungal infection, the antibiotic's not even going to touch it. Um, and then, like I said, if it's a bacterial infection, sometimes the antibiotics still won't get it. And you know this if you have children that have had multiple ear infections. They'll give you one antibiotic. That won't work. They'll either give you another round of the same one or they'll switch you to another higher dose antibiotic. So these can get, um, you know, pretty serious. I mean, I, I take, if you have to take antibiotics, I believe that it is a very serious thing to do. And I think that in this country, we take it very lightly and we just say, oh, okay, yeah, just give me the antibiotic. That's fine. Yep. I'll just give them that. But we don't, without like realizing the repercussions that come with taking antibiotics. So 
I think we have to be very cautious of that. So I would encourage you to try this. Um, it doesn't hurt to try it, and then maybe you'll be able to avoid having to go on the antibiotics. In addition, one thing that I do for sure, if you have a dog that has long floppy ears, then you probably have also had to deal with ear infections for your dog. Um, my dog, I have a standard poodle, and he will used to frequently get ear infections. He is a dog that gets groomed a lot. Um, poodles are in the groomer, at least mine is, every four weeks at the most. So he's in there a lot, getting a lot of baths. A lot of water can get into the ear canal, and there's no way for the air to get in there and circulate and fully dry out that ear canal. So unless you like literally tacked his ears up on top of his head, there's just nothing to do. So I got in the habit of just kind of cleaning his ears out daily as the vet instructed me to do after he had like his third or fourth ear infection. And, um, and I just thought this is still not fixing it. So when I got turned on to to the, sil the colloidal silver a few years ago, I thought, well, why can't I use this for Tuscan, my dog? Like there's no reason I couldn't. So I started, what I would do is I put colloidal silver on a, how I clean his ears out is I just take a tissue and, or a cotton ball, but typically it's a tissue. And I just put that on my finger and I just, uh, you know, kind of, rub around on the inside of his ears and just try to get any moisture or anything out of there. And the you can buy this ear cleaner for dogs that you can rub around in there. But he was still getting these infections regardless. So I thought, okay, I'm going to try this. So I just put the colloidal silver on the cotton ball or the tissue, whatever I'm using, and then I just rub that around on the inside of his ear. That has kept the ear infections at bay on him. And if for some reason I notice, like I can always tell when he's got one coming on because he will shake his head every now and then. I'll see him shake his head and he'll shake it the direction of the ear that's bothering him. So, and then you can definitely tell because you will get his, um, you start you start cleaning out his ear and there's one that is a lot dirtier than the other one. That's the one that's starting to get infected. So then when that happens, I just put a few drops directly of the silver directly into his ear and that has cleared it up every time I have not had to get him any further earache medicine or ear treatment from the vet since I started doing this so there you go that might help you and your dog <laughs> um, number five is pink eye so you can actually use colloidal silver to help clear up pink eye so whether it's a bacterial or a viral infection doesn't matter because remember colloidal silver will help attack bacteria or viruses so you can just literally drop that directly into the affected eye and the silver will work like a sponge it mops up the infection sends it out into your bloodstream and it's eliminated so um, try that next time because I know whenever I've had pink eye I can usually feel it coming on I will feel kind of that sty in my eye and then I'm like oh no it's starting to look a little bit irritated and I think that's what's happening so when you get that feeling in your eye just start with the colloidal silver. See if that will help you. So you can just do that daily. Um, number six is antibacterial. So I have added the colloidal silver to my homemade sanitizer that all my kids use throughout the year. I add that to it. And I think I've told you guys that recipe before on how I make that. It's super simple. I typically use colloidal silver, a little bit of water added with some aloe vera. Uh, and that is just depends on you know the consistency that I want it to be and then I just put some drops of essential oil I use a variety of essential oils um, that have some you know great antiseptic properties and some immune boosting boosting properties so 
It's super easy to make. And then instead of using hand sanitizer, you use this on your hands. Because remember, in the beginning, I talked about Dr. Ford's discovery that silver can help eliminate 650 different viral, bacterial, and fungal pathogens. Well, how do you think a lot of those pathogens enter our bodies? A lot of them enter via our hands, especially if you're a child. Just think about it. They're touching everything, and then their hands go into their mouths, their nose, their ears, everywhere, right? And they deliver those nasty bugs right to their immune system. So uh, silver can help to eradicate them before they ever make it into our bodies. So I think it's super important to be using it that way too. And just to remember that these hand sanitizers that are everywhere that we are forced to use, those are bad news guys for our microbiome on our hands like we have a microbiome on our hands we have good guys on our hands that help to get rid of the bad guys and when we disrupt that balance with all this antibacterial stuff that's bad news because we're not just killing the bad guys we're killing the good guys and then we're like wiping out our first line of defense so as a matter of fact um, it's there is a statistic I wanted to share with you guys in regards to antibiotics and antibacterial things. Then we're just been so lax with taking, and, and as a country, we're just like, yeah, no big deal. We'll just you know put antibiotics and everything, and have all this antibacterial hand wash and sanitizers and everything. That it is super important not only for our gut health because that is remember we're seventy to eighty percent of our immune system lives is in our gut, so we need our gut to be healthy to stay healthy. But the CDC has even recently reported that more than 2 million people in the U.S. suffer illnesses every year as a result of antibiotic-resistant infections. And the even bigger shocker, guys, is 23,000 of those people actually die as a result every year. These are illnesses because of antibiotic-resistant infections, so that's telling you that we have we use antibiotics and antibacterial things so much that we've got these super bugs that can resist them now. They can't even like our antibiotics can't even touch them to the to the point that 23,000 people actually died because of it. Like they just we couldn't do anything to help them to help kill these, you know, these horrible infections and viruses that we just we couldn't help. We couldn't get rid of them. So, you know, we need to be very careful and cautious about that. Okay, so I told you I'd tell you about the brands. So I have two brands that I have used, and I like both of them. One is the Silver Biotics brand, and that is, you can get that on Amazon. I love that brand. I think it's great. And now it has a slightly lesser concentration of the silver as the other brand I use, which is the Designs for Health. Designs for Health is called the Silver Cillin Liquid, and that is a, um, a colloidal silver. So both of those are made with purified water. This is very important because not all brands out there are created equal. You need a brand that has a, at least 50 micrograms of silver in it and uh, per, per, per serving, per um, dosage. The Biotics brand has 50, I believe, and the Health Silver Cillin, I believe, has 75 micrograms. So you need something with at least 50 um, or they're just not putting enough concentration of silver in there. You want to make sure that it is pure silver, nothing else, and that they are using purified water. So um, very important to have all of that down so that you know that you're what you're actually using. Okay, guys. Um, next one. Let's move on. Next immune boosting um, idea. I guess I could say that I have here for you guys 
is dry brushing. So I've talked about this on the podcast before, but it bears repeating because of its immune boosting properties. I want to talk about it here today. So our immune system cells originate in our bone marrow and then they migrate all over our bodies. So they work together with a network of organs and proteins in our bodies to set up our defenses. And one of those things they work together with is our lymphatic system. So our immune cells travel through our blood and the fluid of our lymphatic system. So the lymphatic system is our body's inner drainage system. So we kind of talked about that before when I talked about the dry brushing and how to do it and why you would want to do it. It's important to keep that inner drainage system working. And actually even things like exercise help keep your lymphatic system moving. Massage therapy, um, infrared saunas, those types of things all help keep that system moving. So it's basically a series of blood vessels and lymph nodes that carry fluids from tissues in the body in and out of the bloodstream for cleanup. So it's kind of like it's the, it's like the, cleanup system of our body. It's how it's this drainage system, you know, it's how all these things get get drained out and specifically out of tissues in our body that that we need to drain them. So the system includes other organs in addition to the lymph nodes and vessels. And those other organs are the tonsils. So I know a lot of people have had their tonsils removed. Those are glands that are located at the back of your throat and they filter bacteria before digestion takes place. So then the lymph is going to help get that bacteria that they filtered. It's going to gather that and, and get that out of our system. Um, It also includes the adenoids. Um, People have adenoids removed as well. Those are a gland located at the back of your nose, and those protect the entrance to your digestive system and to your lungs. So again, super important um, organ in our body. And the spleen and the thiamus, those are filtering organs that scan the blood and produce white blood cells. So again, very important. So with dry brushing, we can really help get that fluid moving through the body and through those organs, and that helps keep the lymph fluids from getting congested and causing the pain and swelling in the areas of backup. So when we when we are sick or we have we're coming down with something, we have something kind of coming on. A lot of times we'll get those feelings in our lymph nodes. Um, often you'll feel it at the ones in your neck. If you put your fingers on the sides of your jaw of your neck, right below your jaw, you have lymph nodes right there, and you. You can feel them and when they get inflamed they get backed up or there's bacteria in there they start to swell so that's when they're congested so we need to keep that help that system keep that that um, the the uh, lymph fluid that's in there we need to help keep that flowing through our body to help with our immunity and dry brushing definitely helps with that is that that uh, helps us to clean out those systems and keep that bacteria and those those um, things moving through and out of our system. Okay, so let's move on to the next one. So I have vitamin C. So vitamin C, as you guys, if you followed me for any length of time, you know that I am a proponent of doing a high dose vitamin C. Um, I believe in the effectiveness of that. I have seen it in myself. Do I get sick? Yep, it gets me sometimes, but rarely compared to what used to happen. But I think that's a twofold thing. So for ketogenic people, um, our vitamin C levels are naturally better. 
uh, believe it or not, than when you are a carb burner. And I'll explain that to you in a moment, but I wanted to make sure, you know, this is the Keto Keto Lifestyle Podcast, so I know you guys want to hear about keto, and I want to tell you about keto, and we're going to intertwine that in here as well, but immunity is immunity, right? So, um, so we want to boost our immune system, whether we're keto or not. But vitamin C is definitely an important part of boosting our immune system. So our bodies need a daily dose of vitamin C, and our bodies can't make it and they can't store it. So we have to get it. We have to get it from the foods we eat. And if we don't eat the right foods and we're not getting enough vitamin C, then we have to get it from supplementation. And so for someone like me, I actually find it to be helpful to also provide supplementation. Even though I am, I should be getting more than enough vitamin C for my body, I do feel that it's important for it to get extra supplementation. Because vitamin C... Also, it's an antioxidant, first of all, uh, which is huge, and it also means it fights free radicals. It it works to um, do all kinds of awesome things in our bodies to help with it helps to um, calm down rogue cells and like rein them back in and keep them from going haywire and creating havoc in our bodies. It also plays a key role in making collagen. So if you guys, again, if you listen to this podcast, if you listen to my skin episode that you know that I talked a lot about vitamin C's role in making collagen and keeping our skin uh, healthy and vibrant. So I definitely, especially as a woman, and especially I just told you guys I'm turning 40, I am definitely getting, you know, I'm aware that my skin on my face is, you know, maybe not quite as youthful as it used to be. And so I want to do whatever I can do within reason, uh, nutritionally anyway, to try and help that. You know, I want to boost my body's own collagen production. You know, I want to help that. So vitamin C definitely is a, is, um, has been proven. I mean, we know it does that. Um, high dose vitamin C is been used for cancer treatment since the 1970s. So this is really not a controversial thing, even though a lot of times you hear about it in mainstream medicine and it sounds, they make it sound like it's kind of this controversial thing. Um, saying that it's used for cancer treatment doesn't mean that it's in, that it's, you know, by itself used for cancer treatment. It's most typically used as a adjunct with other cancer therapies like chemotherapy or radiation. So it's definitely something that um, could really be beneficial and helpful to try if you're struggling with something like that or know somebody that's struggling with um, with kind of getting through cancer treatments. Um, there has also been um, studies that have shown that high-dose vitamin C treatment actually blocks tumor growth in certain models of pancreatic, liver, prostate, ovarian cancers, as well as uh, sarcoma and malignant mesothelioma. So that's kind of a really big deal. And you can do these. They've had um, human studies done with high-dose IV vitamin C with cancer patients. So th- not only does it help with the tumor growth and the spread of cancer, but it has also been shown in these studies to improve quality of life as well as improvements in physical, mental, and emotional functions, symptoms of fatigue, nausea, vomiting, pain, and loss of appetite. And listen, if you or a loved one of yours have ever suffered with cancer and and trying to beat cancer and going through these, these therapies, these treatments, you understand that all of those things I just talked about are extremely detrimental in the cancer treatments. You know, it's, it, 
fatigue and the physical and mental and emotional um, side effects and the nausea and the pain and the loss of appetite, like those things are real and they're they're terrible and it is a terrible side effect to going through this. So if taking high dose vitamin C can help with that, man, I mean, that's just amazing, right? Like what an amazing vitamin this is. So um, those have been shown to be helpful with the IV uh, vitamin Cs. So the one thing I wanted to kind of, so so vitamin, so vitamin C basically is huge for immune boosting. There's a bunch of different reasons why it is great for, for immune boosting. But one of the things in regards to ketogenic, there's two awesome ketogenic things uh, for those of us that are ketogenic that we should know about vitamin C. So first of all, vitamin C acts as an essential cofactor in many enzymatic processes in our body including production of collagen, which I talked to you guys about just a minute ago, um, which is great for youthful skin, but maybe the most interesting role of vitamin C for you guys that are keto is that it plays a role in your body's production of carnitine. Carnitine is derived from an amino acid that is found in nearly every cell of our body. It transports fatty acids to the mitochondria so that it can be burned for fuel. Okay, so how awesome is that? So when you are fat adapted and you're ketogenic and you need, literally this carnitine is going to transport the fatty acids to your cells directly to be burned for fuel. So you need this vitamin C as a cofactor to help in that process. Another really awesome thing that vitamin C does that I think is really interesting and makes makes being ketogenic and uh, vitamin C, the immune boosting properties of vitamin C, like even greater for us, is I was reading this great article that was super interesting. It's based off of a a research um, paper that was written in the orthomolecular, uh, in an orthomolecular, uh, oh goodness, why can I not even think of that? The Journal of Orthomolecular Medicine. Thank you. Goodness. Thanks, brain. (laughs) So, um, Anyway, this was based off of that, but just kind of loosely paraphrase how they were talking about this is that, first of all, you'll hear a lot of people tell you if you're ketogenic about how many vitamins you'll be missing out on because you don't even eat fruit, right? Like that's not even allowed in a ketogenic diet. It's too many carbs. So look at all these vitamins and minerals you're going to be missing out on. And first of all, it's completely wrong and has been completely debunked in every way, shape, or form because if you're ketogenic, you should be eating a bunch of vegetables vegetables like my version of keto anyway I mean I don't know about everybody else maybe everybody else isn't like this but I have told you guys over and over again and you know I know everybody's got their own keto they do things their own way and I'm not here to be you know telling you exactly how to do it and exactly the way I do it is exactly the way you should do it no way like you figure out what works best for you but the way I do keto is I am largely plant-based diet and then I have a moderate amount of protein, so I'm not eating a totally carnivore diet, or I'm not eating only animal products. And you know, my my protein is kept moderate. And then, in addition, I eat a lot of high fat, uh, a lot of fat. <laughs> so I am just dousing my plant 
food, which is typically um, cruciferous vegetables I love, or kale, or spinach, or, you know, things like that. <clears throat> I'm dousing that stuff in healthy fats. So, you know, I've never felt better in my life. And I, I am certain if I was to go get some numbers run right now, that I would not be deficient in probably any vitamin at all anymore. And I do supplement with some because I know there's some that's harder to get just in general. I don't care what your diet is. So I do supplement with some specific vitamins every day, but I, I am certain that I, that this diet has been awesome. So one of the things about getting vitamin C is the fact that you don't eat fruit. Well, that's just hogwash. doesn't matter because there are tons of low carb vegetables like peppers, dark leafy greens, kale, broccoli, all that. They have loads of vitamin C. So the most interesting part, though, about this study and this article that I liked was that it tells you that eating less carbohydrates actually results in needing less vitamin C. This is because glucose competes with vitamin C for access to the same metabolic pathways in your body. So if your carbohydrate intake is high, let's say you're on the SAD diet, the standard American diet, then you have to increase your intake of vitamin C containing foods or supplementation just to get enough vitamin C to overcome the high blood sugar. And it's not just when you're eating a standard American diet either, because we all know that that diet is high in carbohydrates and grain. So the consumption of vitamin C needs to be a lot higher, but there are other diets that are very that are that are very high in carbohydrates. Like let's think about when I was a vegan or a vegetarian, both I was both, and when I was both, my carbohydrate intake was huge because it has to be. There's not you cannot you can't just eat vegetables all the time or fruit. I mean, I guess you can. Let me take that back. You can. There are people that do that. What are they like fruititarians or something? I So I know that you can do that, but when you are eating a, a veg like okay, let me just say when I was eating a vegan and a vegetarian diet, when I was vegan, I had to eat large quantities of rice and all these different great grains, quinoa and spelt and barley. And I mean, you have to eat all this stuff or you're starving all the time because there's just not enough substance and you can't eat enough. Like you cannot eat enough vegetables to to fill yourself up all the time. So you have to put something else in there. And these the only other thing you could do, which I did a lot of, which is also high carb, is I was drinking a lot of smoothies and a lot of shakes made with vegan protein powders, like pea protein and stuff like that. And so these are highly, highly processed um, food-like substances that then you are making into a shake and then with the shakes to make the shakes taste good or the smoothies, yes, I would put a ton of vegetables in there, but I was also still a sugar burner and I still had this need for something sweeter than what I do now. I need a quarter of the sweetness, but I was making those shakes with a ton of fruit. Like I would put a banana and some dates and, you know, you name it, whatever, sweeten that sucker up. And so by the time I got done drinking that, I mean, it was a huge glucose hit to my body. So anyway, it was very interesting in this, one of the studies that they cite is that while, um, while studying the Inuit people in Alaska, there was an, an anthropologist that documented that the Inuit diet consisted of about 90% meat and fish, and that during his time there, he followed their customs. So he would eat everything that they ate, um, and they pretty much eat nothing but meat and fish for six to nine months of the year because it's all they can get. So it's essentially like a zero-carb diet. 
right? So, I mean, it's very ketogenic. And he survived on that diet for nine years while living with the Eskimo. When he returned back to like his normal life, he said his doctors were amazed that his health hadn't suffered. And he had actually worried about it because he thought, well, you know, here I am. I'm not getting all these vitamins and nutrients that I have been told I have to have from all these fruits and vegetables. And so what's going to happen to me? So anyway, at the end of the experiment, he remained in perfect health, no vitamin deficiencies, no, no serious health issues had occurred with him. So it's kind of funny, right? They, you know, they, they talk about how ironic it is that eating fruits and vegetables increase your carbohydrate intake, which actually increases the danger of a vitamin C deficiency. So yeah, that's pretty funny. Good thing that fruits and vegetables have vitamin C, right? So anyway, so that was kind of interesting. So you don't have to supplement quite as much with vitamin C if you are eating uh, ketogenically. So that's the good news. <laughs> I think that's pretty exciting. So of course we know citrus fruits have a lot of vitamin C and we're probably not eating those if you're on a ketogenic diet. Maybe you indulge in half an orange or something every now and then, whatever. Um, maybe you're putting some lemon or some lime in your water or something like that. But actually red peppers take the cake for abundance in vitamin C. So if you eat red peppers, which we are actually having peppers for dinner tonight, I am going to stuff some of the little uh, red, yellow, and orange peppers with some um, some roast, basically, that uh, we've had slow cooking um, or short rib that we've had slow cooking all day. And so I stuff them in there, and then we cook them up, and oh my gosh, they're so amazing. It's amazing. But anyway, so um, so peppers take the cake, green peppers, uh, red peppers, broccoli, broccoli, Brussels sprouts, spinach, cauliflower, cabbage, those all contain ample amounts of vitamin C. So those are good ways to get vitamin C. So vitamin C is not abundant in animal products. Now you can get good vitamin C um, out of certain animal products um, because animals do actually make vitamin C. They are able to make it and then when we eat their meat we can get some but um, but not enough to be adequate. So we do need to be taking in some of these and if you're not taking in some of these vegetables then definitely you're going to want to supplement with a vitamin C and I would definitely suggest a liposomal vitamin C. There are um, all kinds of vitamin C supplementation that you can take on the market, but definitely the liposomal is the best. It bypasses many of the complications that like a traditional vitamin C or ascorbic acid would have like the gastrointestinal distress. It's kind of what they call the bowel tolerance. You can literally, you can't store vitamin C, so you can take it to bowel tolerance. And that means when your body's filled up with it, then that's it. You're going to have to run to the bathroom and then you know you've taken enough or too much. So um, the liposomal vitamin C works around that and you can actually take more and therefore you can get higher levels of vitamin C in your blood, which is um, very important because a lot of it, when you take in um, vitamin C supplementation or even the vitamin C that we eat in whole foods, we do not get the, it, it takes a lot of it to get optimal levels in our blood and we need it in our blood to be able to, to get it circulated to all of these areas in our body that needs it for the 
um, all these different enzymatic processes. So basically the liposomal one is the best kind to take. There are several kinds on the market, but I do take Dr. McCullough's brand, and I mentioned that before. I will make sure to put that in the show notes, but Dr. McCullough's liposomal vitamin C is the one I prefer, and they're in 1,000 um, milligram dosages uh, per pill. So it's a great, you know, I like to take a higher dose like that. The RDA of vitamin C is 60, I believe, um, 60 milligrams per day. So uh, there was some studies done at the Linus Pauling Institute, which said that 200 to 400 milligrams a day gets you a concentration of 60 to 80 micromillimoles per, per liter in your blood. And in adjusting dose of 200 milligrams has been shown to maximize your absorption efficiency so you even get more um, and there was some studies done that said if everyone were to take 500 milligrams of vitamin C per day that that's the dose that is actually typically required to reach a heavy uh, a healthy level that an estimated 216,000 lives could be spared each year um, because that is how powerful vitamin C is in fighting a lot of these infections and cancers and things like that. So might be worth looking into for you. Okay, let's move on to the next one. The next one I have is elderberry. So elderberry is an herb. It is referred to, it's how we refer to the berries and the flowers of the elder plant. And it has been used for thousands of years to boost immune to boost immunity in your immune system. It has been known for centuries to fight things like the cold, the flu, allergy symptoms, inflammation, all those kinds of things. It is regarded as one of the top antiviral herbs in the natural and homeopathic medicine world. So um, definitely a great one to go after. There have been a lot of studies that show, um, several studies in recent years, showing that in the first 48 hours of onset of, a, of flu symptoms, that it will lessen the symptoms and symptoms are completely relieved an average of four days sooner than when it was not taken. So if you take it within the first 48 hours, that's going to give you awesome results. So I think that that is worthy of being taken. Elderberry has been has also been proven to help with all kinds of other wonderful things like lowering blood sugar, works as a natural laxative. It has all kinds of awesome things about it, which you could do some research on and find some amazing things. So it's a good thing to take for lots of different reasons. Uh, but we're just going to stick to immune function today. There's two brands that I would recommend to you. Um, we have used both of these brands in our family. As a matter of fact, I gave the one to my daughter this morning. Um, she's got a, just started like a little runny nose thing going on and she doesn't have any other symptoms, but I thought, you know what, let's just nip this in the bud real quick. So the two brands I like, my favorite is Now Foods. They have an elderberry liquid or they have capsules. The reason I love the Now Foods is there's no added sugars and no added flavors. So that's awesome. I have not found another brand on the market that does not have any of that added stuff. So if you know of one, let me know. That'd be great. The other one that I would recommend is, I'm probably going to butcher the name of this, but it's Gia or uh, Gaia Herbs Black Elderberry Syrup. So it is spelled G-A-I-A. And that is a four whole food ingredient uh syrup that they, you know, that's how they describe it. It does have sugar. It is organic. So, you know, it's pretty good, but there is some sugar added to it for palatability. Um, so if you have small children and you're worried about them wanting to take the syrup, 
Um, it obviously will taste a little bit better if it has some sugar in it, but um, you know, I would probably try the Now Foods if I was you first and see if your kids like that. Now Foods is a great concentration as well. Um, so you got to be careful with some of these on the market. They don't have a lot of the elderberry actually in them. It's a more syrup than the actual herb. And so um, that makes them less effective. And you're basically just giving your kid um, a spoonful of sugar, um, which, you know, I guess that's where the song came up with. A spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. But if there's not much medicine in there, then you're basically just giving them sugar. So you just got to be careful with the ones that are found in like your local grocery stores and stuff like that. They often contain even high fructose corn syrup, but there's often loads of sugar in there. And they even have artificial flavors and colors in them. And you don't want that. When you're trying to fight some kind of sickness or something coming on, Trying to boost your immunity, those things, you know, inhibit your immune function. They don't help you. And be leery of the ones that say natural flavoring or natural flavors. Just know that that is just another name for an artificial flavor, guys. Okay, this is a flavor that has been made in a lab somewhere. They can call it natural because it mimics the flavor of a naturally found flavor. That's the only thing that makes it a quote-unquote natural flavor. It doesn't mean they actually flavored it with elderberry. If they have elderberry in it, they would just say elderberry. It wouldn't say natural flavors. So um, just know that, okay? All right, the next one is vitamin D. Vitamin D is a great supplement. Everybody in my family takes vitamin D every day. Um, it's super good for immune systems. But one thing that is uh, important to know is that any time that I have somebody in my family that's coming down with something that's coming down with something, or I am, or I'm starting to feel a little under the weather, I will do a high dose vitamin D uh, supplementation for uh, for a short period of time. You know, maybe a few days or something, uh, even a week. So um, basically, the the recommended daily allowance of vitamin D is so low anyway that you can take more. Um, sometimes I've read in the different studies and papers that some people suggest you take three, four times the amount of the daily recommended amount. Um, now, I'll leave that up to you and your doctor, but I will do a high dose like that for a short period of time when I am trying to boost my immunity. You just do have to be careful with vitamin D because it does uh, build in the system and you can have problems from having too much vitamin D. But for most of us, that's not a concern because we it's another vitamin that we are chronically deficient in in America. Um, especially in the winter months, it's super important because we're not getting exposure to the sun, so we're not able to make the vitamin D that we need, and so it's important to supplement. Okay, the next thing, guys, is bone broth. So if you are a client of mine, if you have ever listened to this podcast before, if you follow any of my social media, you know that I love bone broth. I have touted its amazing healing benefits for a long time and most of my clients are told that I want them to take bone broth every day and I'm serious about that I mean it it's not like a suggestion like oh Mel maybe you should do this it is I believe so strongly and I have read the studies and I know how much it can help you in your gut health and remember our immune system 78% of it is in our gut, it is so important that we take care of our gut. Bone broth is amazing. It boosts our immune system 
in so many different ways. Um, but one of the most, uh, well, a few of the most amazing things is it has particular substances that are in it that contain several several essential things for our immune system, like amino acids like arginine, that's essential for immune system and liver function. It has glutamine, which helps us with metabolism, glycine, which aids in glutathione production, and also our quality of sleep. Like we are, many, many people, myself included, are glutathione uh, deficient because we don't have, you need all of these um, different uh, cofactors to build glutathione in our bodies. And so uh, we are often very deficient in all of those. So bone broth is super good and healing for that. Um, it also contains the marrow. We get the, out of the marrow comes lipids that we need that are very vital for production of white blood cells in our body. So um, it's very important for that. It also contains collagen. So when we, when we are, um, there's different ways you can make bone broth, but if you are slow doing it in like a slow cooker for like 24 to 48 hours, as you're cooking it, those those um, the collagen that are in those soup bones will come out of that and all of those nutrients and everything we need out of the marrow and the collagen will break down into gelatin in the broth so that's why when you put the broth in the refrigerator when it's done I actually did a um, I did a little uh, video on social media once about this where I showed me pouring it out of the container and how like gelatinous it was so that is the gelatin that breaks down from the collagen in the bones it breaks down into this gelatin gelatin and when it's cold it's like jiggly and so you definitely don't want you definitely want that in there you don't want to get rid of that I had somebody once tell me hey there's you know there's this fat layer on the top of my bone broth and I just I'm gonna just throw it away I'm like no 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 <laughs> do not throw that away that is not a fat layer that is gelatin and you want that um, and even any fat that is in your bone broth you want to keep that in there anyway so this is good stuff guys we need this so um, bone broth is so helpful in anti-inflammatory properties like it helps with inflammation in your whole body. It helps to heal your gut lining. It's just awesome. Can't say enough great things about it. So definitely add bone broth to that. Um, zinc. Zinc is great. And if you're ketogenic, um, meats and seafoods contain the most zinc. So this is often something that uh, that we are very deficient in as a country. Um, just we're deficient in zinc containing uh, foods. We don't get very much zinc um, anymore. And then, um, so it is, for a lot of people, it is important to supplement. So I do supplement zinc this time of year specifically. I make sure that I don't forget it. I do try to supplement throughout the rest of the year as well, which I have talked about why in previous podcasts. So I won't go over all of that. But zinc affects multiple aspects of our immune system. So there was actually a paper written in Molecular Medicine in June of 2008 where they stated that based on recent studies conducted, they found that zinc is crucial for normal development and function of our cells. So um, we have these things called uh, macrophages, they are also affected by zinc deficiency. So when there's tissue damage or infection, the monocytes leave the bloodstream and enter the affected tissue or organ and undergo a series of changes to become these macrophages. These macrophages can modify themselves to form different structures in order to fight various different microbes and invaders in our body. So in this way, they're basically like our first line of defense and protecting us from these infections. But when we're zinc deficient, they are they can't properly 
uh, do this. They, they're just not able to have this um, process happen, right? There's also, um, let's see, they're called phagocytes. They're cells that protect the body by ingesting harmful forms for like foreign particles and bacteria and dead and dying cells. So they work in conjunction with our lymph cells to build immunity and the proper functioning of our immune system. So we talked about how um, lymph, the lymph cells are important and our lymph system is important to our immune system and how that works and how we need to keep that flowing. And then the, so the cytokine production as well are affected by zinc deficiencies. So cytokines are small secreted proteins that are released by cells. They have a specific effect on the interactions and communications between cells, including immune function. So when we're zinc deficient, all of these processes are, are affected. I mean, it's, we can't, they cannot function the way they're supposed to. So the ability of zinc uh, to function as an antioxidant and stabilize membranes suggests that it also has a role in the prevention of free radical-induced injury during inflammation process, which we know, and we've talked about with the same thing with vitamin C. We know that vitamin C has a role in prevention of free radicals and helping us with that oxidative stress. So zinc supplementation is huge. There have been a ton of studies shown on zinc supplementation in, uh, with infectious diseases or in the incident of like acute or chronic um, upper respiratory infections and things like that, that zinc can help decrease the, the longevity of those things and can help with infections, infectious diseases. They can all, it has also been shown to help in the treatment of pneumonia and tonsillitis. Um, and you may or may not know that Often urinary tract infections are actually caused by E. coli in our systems. We often will be exposed to E. coli and our immune systems just mop it up and take care of it through all of these different ways that we've kind of been talking about. But often the E. coli will cause a urinary tract infection. And so if you are constantly getting urinary tract infections, you might want to look at your zinc intake as well um, because that uh, zinc will absolutely help with UTIs and, and kind of eradicating UTIs. Let's see. And then um, the next one would be, oh, let me tell you. The, okay, so zinc, it's kind of important to tell you that um, definitely the best way to absorb zinc, no, hands down, is when it's bound to proteins as in animal foods, which we talked about in the beginning. It, the best source of zinc is through meats, like uh, animal meats and fish. And definitely quality, guys. So I always recommend grass-fed, pasture-raised. It is super important to get your animals like that. Um, but when zinc is bound to phytates and oxalates, like you find it in grains and vegetables, we are not able to absorb much. That is why many vegans and vegetarians, I would venture to say all vegan and vegetarians, uh, especially vegans, are zinc deficient. So most of us are anyway, but when you are eliminating an entire food group uh, like meat and animal products that are very, they have all of these delicate balances of these minerals and vitamins and nutrients that we need, um, it is going to be very easy to become deficient in them. And when you're trying to get your zinc out of grains and vegetables, you just cannot absorb them as well because these phytates and these oxalates block that absorption. So it's super important to eat quality animal proteins to get those. If you're not eating animal proteins to get them, or even if you are, and you think maybe you could use a zinc uh, 
a supplement per day, which most people do, um, then you're going to want to take a good quality amino, amino acid chelate, such as a zinc orotate or a zinc picleonate. So that's an orotate, that's O-R-O-T-A-T-E, or zinc picleonate. Leonate, which is um, P-I-C-O-L-I-N-A-T-E. So those are two really good, highly absorbable versions. Okay, um, the I've got two more that I want to mention, and I'm going to fly through these really quickly because I know that we are, I'm already over an hour on here, and I know pretty much all of my podcasts run this long. I guess I should stop talking 10 minutes before I start the podcast. Um, but the one I want to talk to you about uh, right now is oregano oil, so or oil of oregano. So it is known, been known for, again, for centuries for its healing and immune-boosting properties. So it definitely has been known to fight infections. It is an antifungal, antibacterial, antiviral, um, antiparasite. So it is lots of great um, natural remedy uh, properties about it that you can use for all kinds of health boosting things. Um, but it has definitely started to gain popularity in recent years, and you can get it as a oil of oregano capsule, which is how I take it. And the reason I started taking it is there are studies that have shown that it is very useful against candida albicans, and I have had, um, I have an overgrowth of candida I have been dealing with, and it can take quite a while to get rid of a candida overgrowth. Um, it's not uncommon anymore. And unfortunately, those of us who have been, um, you know, sugar burners for the majority of our life and have, you know, sustained life on lots of carbohydrates. And that is, it's not unusual to have a, too much candida in our guts. Um, we all have candida in there, but they can get a little out of control and grow a little bit crazy. And that's basically what happened to me. So um, it causes all kinds of things, including um, sugar cravings and, and whatnot, because these little guys, they, they want their sugar. They, that's what they need to survive. And so um, ketogenic, going ketogenic was also uh, something that I am using as a therapy to help with the candida. I know that it has worked miracles for me because I have seen huge differences in many different ways in my body that I know that I am winning the fight against this candida. Um, but oil of oregano has been uh, shown to help with that. It also is very powerful antimicrobial that you can use for all kinds of different things other than just like helping with things like uh, candida can be it can help with uh, eradicate like the aspergillus mold staph infections vaginal infections all kinds of stuff um, so you can take this in a in a capsule form I like the designs for health brand and I take that that every day I take two to four oil of oregano pills every day and that's pretty much my regimen with that it's a uh, so super good immune booster and then the last one I want to talk to you guys about today is bentonite clay so I had done a quick uh, Instagram post about bentonite clay um, 
or actually maybe I put it on Facebook. Anyway, I had done this like last week and I had a ton of people reach out and say, oh my gosh, tell me more about bentonite clay. What do I, what do, I do with it? So it, it's not that complicated. It's pretty simple. And so straight up, it's probably more of a detox substance actually than an immunity boosting one. But since it has such incredible abilities to eradicate viruses and bacteria, I think we need to mention it in this immunity uh, podcast episode. So bentonite clay is a pretty unique clay because it's it has the ability to produce an electrical charge when it is hydrated or when it comes in contact with fluid. So upon contact with fluid, the electrical components change and it gives it the ability to absorb toxins. So bentonite clay has been known for its ability to absorb and remove toxins, heavy metals, impurities, and chemicals for centuries. Um, this is definitely not a new thing. Um, this is, it is has been around for a while. It definitely has kind of got a new little bit of a surge in popularity, but it is also a swelling clay. So when it becomes mixed with water, it rapidly swells open like a porous sponge. And then from there, toxins are drawn in through this electrical attraction. And once they're, they're bound to the clay and they cannot go anywhere. And then the bentonite clay basically pulls all that out, goes through your digestive tract and you eliminate those toxins. So that's uh, bacterial toxins, viruses, heavy metals, anything like that. And we have to remember that we eat, drink, and breathe toxins every single day, all day long. So having a regimen of doing bentonite clay every day is really not a bad idea. So for me, I typically drink it first thing in the morning. I get up pretty early with my high schooler. So I usually will drink that usually around 6, 6.30 in the morning. I just drink a 6 to 8 glass, eight ounce glass of water with bentonite clay in it. And so what you do is you just take a glass of water or you need like a container. You do not want to use anything metal to mix your bentonite clay because it is, is electrically charged and it will attach to that metal and you're basically going to make your bentonite clay useless um, once you put it in your body. You don't want it drawing any of those things from the metal utensils that you use to mix it. So you'll put it into a container, either glass or plastic with a glass or plastic lid not a metal lid and you're going to want to shake that really good you put like a teaspoon uh, of bentonite clay into six or eight glass ounces of water shake it up really 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 good yeah, I just shake 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 and it will mix in there and then um, you just drink it now the water is going to look cloudy and like you put clay in your water <laughs> um, and you might have some sediment in the bottom but I pretty much just drink it down I take a couple of big gulps and it's gone and yeah you do you doesn't really taste like anything but you can kind of taste a little bit of the texture of like a little bit of dirt but it's not a big deal and you totally get used to it and it's just so good for you and you do want to take this about an hour to an hour and a half away from any food or um, any other medications or supplements that you take because it will like we just talked about it will uh, like a sponge suck those in through that electrical attraction that electrical charge and it will just pull them out of your body so any of those um, nutrients that you just put in it'll just take out so you want to take it a away from those things a little bit but it is extremely helpful for expelling your body of any of the toxins that we mentioned and it also helps fight 
a lot of pathogens responsible for diseases like E. coli, viruses that cause staph infection. It has been shown and proven to eradicate those. So those are really good as well. If you're dealing with a UTI, you really might want to consider doing uh, bentonite clay a few times a day because that can really help to eradicate that E. coli infection if that is the virus that is responsible for your UTI. So it is also full of all kinds of minerals, including calcium, magnesium, sodium, copper, iron, potassium. So great stuff, right? Okay, so that's what I've got for you today. The last thing I want to mention is where we are talking about things that boost your immunity, I want to make sure that we are not doing things that are harming our immunity. So as much as we can do these things to help us, if we're doing some of these other things, we're just going to be counteracting what we're trying to do. So one of the big things to stay away from is sugar and starches. So sugar and starches actually suppress our immune system, so we really want to stay away from them. And we just talked about how if we're eating a lot of carbohydrates, which would be sugar and starches, that it is suppressing our vitamin C because they use the same pathway in our body. So we cannot get the vitamin C levels that we need if we're taking in a lot of sugar. So that is one of the ways. So you really need to watch that. Also, not getting enough sleep can wreak havoc on our immune system. So as an adult, you need seven to nine hours of uninterrupted sleep and even more if you're fighting an infection. So if you're starting to feel like little under the weather and you're not feeling great, you really need to make sure you are getting at least nine hours of sleep and more if you can get it. But as much sleep as you can get, that really allows your body to rest and get to work on the inside. It will provide your immune system with all these extra benefits when it's not working on other things like digestion or running around or fueling your brain while you're trying to think about things and get things done. So um, super important to get some rest. Um, obviously, we talked about antibiotics. Taking antibiotics certainly compromises your gut and therefore your immune system for quite some time. So take it easy on the antibiotics. Try to do some of these more natural things unless it is really necessary to take antibiotics. And listen, sometimes you just have to. Sometimes you need those antibiotics. They're life-saving. And I totally understand that and I agree with that. And I think that's great. But let's not take antibiotics for every sniffle or cough that we have and just run to the doctor and let them write us a prescription. It's not going to help you, and in the end, it's actually going to hurt you. Also, limit your use of antibacterial soaps and hand sanitizers. They can weaken your immune system. We talked about how they disrupt the entire microbiome on your skin and destroy the good bugs that are responsible for helping us fight off those bad guys. So let's kind of stay away from that stuff. And the final thing I want to mention is being negative can actually suppress your immune system, guys. So if you walk around all the time saying things like, oh, I always get sick or, oh, so-and-so sick and I just know I'm going to catch it or, oh man, it's flu season. I just know I'm going to be sick. You know, your words are powerful and they have a, a, they're very powerful on your immunity. So what you think become your words. So change your thought process. Start thinking, you know what? I'm not going to get sick. I'm going to be well this year. This is the first year. Maybe it is the first year for you. This is the first year that I am not going to get the flu. And I am just going to be well and I know it. Just like me telling myself, listen, 40 is going to look fabulous. I am not going to worry that things are going to start going downhill. Quite the opposite, right? So speak out those things. Don't speak the negative. Speak the positive. 
All right, guys. Well, I think that's all I have for you guys today. I appreciate you hanging in there and listening to all of this. If you want to get a hold of me, please feel free to do so. You can reach me via email. It's jessica at jessicatai.com. You can go to my website, jessicatai.com. You can fill out a form there. Please know if you send me an email or you send me a form uh, through my website and you're asking questions about your keto lifestyle, about your diet, about nutrition, about your wellness, those things, I am happy to get back to you and answer those questions as best I can. But please understand that it may take me quite a while. I mean like by quite a while, I mean it could take me weeks to get back to you. Um, I have quite a backup of messages, and there are just not enough hours in the day between my schooling, my full-time job as a nutritional coach. You know, I'm doing those things for my clients that have actually hired me to do that. So I have to make them a priority. Um, my family, my family life, um, this podcast. You know, there's just not enough hours in the day, guys. So, um, so please, I appreciate your understanding that I will do my best to get back to you, but it may take me a little while, okay? And if, I, if you've sent in something that I can address on the show, I will do my best to do that as well. Um, and you can also follow me on Instagram. I'm at that keto blonde, and I just post random things about my life or different things I think of here and there. And then you can also follow me on, I have a Facebook page. It is facebook.com forward slash Jessica Thai Nutrition. You can follow me there and see videos and things that I post there. I do have a YouTube channel and I know I have a few followers on there, but I've never posted a YouTube video. I don't think I can figure out even how to do it. So for now, I've just been doing them on, on Facebook. I told you guys, I am just not very good at all this, uh, this this stuff on the internet and this recording stuff and oh man I'm get I'm trying to get it so anyway all right that's it guys have a great rest of your week and thank you for listening to this podcast I appreciate it please keep the reviews coming in I love reading those reviews you can go to iTunes and do that you have to look up uh, you have to look up my podcast even if you're already a subscriber or a follower you have to look it up by name keto lifestyle podcast you have to look that up you have to click on that and then there's a little tab that says reviews and you can go there to rate the podcast. I would appreciate five stars. I love it. I love your feedback. If you want to give me five stars, write a few uh, comments or sentences. I love your feedback and even constructively criticizing me. I appreciate that. I'm always striving to do better and be better for you guys. Um, again, I apologize about the audio quality of this. I'm still working on it and hopefully as this uh, podcast continues on, I'll get better and better every week. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you again so much for listening, and I hope to have Derek back next week. All right. Bye-bye. This episode of Keto Lifestyle was brought to you by Mobile Mutations. Mobile Mutations is an app development, software development company based out of Cincinnati, Ohio, that is able to evolve your ideas to the next level. Whether you're a small business or a large corporation looking to get app ideas, or put together a new portfolio for your online presence, please visit the website at mobilemutations.com. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Keto Lifestyle Podcast. We hope that you enjoyed what we shared with you today and are looking forward to the next episode.